You're listening to Kurakas, a podcast for artists and creators to get advice on the business of the arts from renowned Zimbabwean experts in their respective fields. Funded through the Scripts and Bars project by K Media Africa, supported by the British Council in partnership with Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC, hosted by the Kura Agency team. In this episode, we talk to singer-songwriter and owner of Nkaya Music Productions, Vusamkaya, on distribution and publication. He gives us a rundown on what publication and distribution is, his experiencing with publishing, what made him start his own label, and we have a discussion about royalties, owning one's masters, and a bit on the whole Khalees, Beyonce, and Pharrell situation. Okay, let's get into it. Here's Vusamkaya. My name is Busan Kaya. I was born and raised in Bulawayo. Grew up in Chavala Township. I am a singer, songwriter, and a performer, and a music producer. So I am a singer first before anything, and a songwriter. And I've been doing music for almost 30 years now. Started doing music from school as a hobby and then decided to do it professionally when I finished school. And I've been yeah, touring and performing and recording. I also do music soundtracks for film, documentaries and adverts. That's me in a nutshell. That's that's good. That's great. Um I had noticed in the recent um, project that you had released that there was an interesting logo in the corner that said Nkaya Products Productions. Would you like to tell us more about that? Nkaya Music Production is a production house that uh, handles all our productions, all our publishing, and all our recordings. From my experience working with different uh, record labels, I thought it was uh, the best to open my own uh, record label so that I can handle my own publishing and also other musicians publishing. publishing. And in, in that process of working with, with other production houses, what... What was it that you had experienced that made you feel, Kuti, no man, I need to do this for myself. I need to open my own production house and um, handle this for myself. Good question. Uh, you know, it's like when you're working in a company, right? You can work <clears throat> sorry, in a company, but you will never own shares in that company as long as you are employed. You will always get your pay at the end of the month. Even if the boss makes 100% profit, you will always get what you uh, agreed to get, right? So working with other record labels, you have a percentage. If they say you get 1% from the publishing or 2%, this is what you will get. If 
the record makes it big or even even if it doesn't make it. So in my uh, experience, I thought, why not publish myself and decide the percentages? Because if I publish myself and I get my song uh, into one of the movies or documentaries, then I am the one negotiating with the film company, not my uh, record label negotiating on my behalf and telling me how much I will get from the deal. So now, if a song from Busan Kai is featured in the film, the film company or producer or whoever talks to me direct, and I'm the one who then set the terms and say, I'm giving you my song on these terms and conditions, and there's no one in between. I still have some songs that are signed, that are published by other labels, and I can't do any deals because someone else has 100% uh, right. It's not that, I mean, the difference, the big difference is that I'm a musician first. And when I put on other musicians on my label, I know, I think as a musician first and not as a record executive. So I try to make the best or to make sure that musicians have the best deal out of what we are talking about or negotiating. I don't have many musicians under my label yet because I'm doing mostly stuff uh, of my own. But as I was saying before, when I negotiate now with the film company for a soundtrack or an advert, I know what I'm uh, getting from the film company because no one is negotiating on my behalf. I still have songs that are signed that were published by other labels that I can't uh, use without talking to the label and getting their permission. So those songs can be used on films or adverts and the label tells me how much I am getting and I don't know how much they're getting from the deal. That makes sense. And it's it's that part of the music business that I want us to um, get into at the moment. But I think a good part to start is if you could explain to us what what publishing is, what publishing and distribution is, so that when we get to the discussion of those negotiations of percentages and who controls what, who gets what, we would have a good base to start on. So what is what is publishing? What is distribution? Publishing in, in layman terms, I'm sure you have heard this term before where people say, do you have your, uh, sorry, okay. When people say, do you have your masters? So publishing is the ownership of the music and the masters. The master is the final, is the product that is used to, uh, I mean, after recording, there is mixing and then there's mastering. So the master is the one that is kept safe and you can use it to print more CDs or you can use it to uh, 
upload your music on, on music stores and in different places. So if I am publishing myself, then I have access to my masters as well. And this means I can do anything with the music. I can I can negotiate with anyone. Right now, if you need music for cool agents, let's say for a podcast or for an intro, I can give you a song and say, here's my song, give me $50 and we're good. But if someone else is publishing that, that uh, specific song, it means they have the masters to the song. And if you ask the song from me, I will tell you, talk to my publisher because I can't negotiate with you, even if it's my own song. You see? So then they negotiate with you on my behalf. So it's, it's important for me, uh, from a business perspective, that artists own their own masters. I know it's not easy, especially if you are signed to a record label, because not everyone can manage to, to own their own masters and have their own publishing, especially in the beginning. So what can be done, I always encourage people to register their own small record labels and maybe then keep your publishing and get a distribution deal. A distribution deal is when a record label is distributing your music. Uh, I mean, a few years ago, music used to be sold in record, uh, you know, in music stores and CDs and whatnot. So the record label is the one that negotiates with all the music shops and makes sure that the music is available to the public. This is the distribution thing. So, so if I have my own publishing, I can negotiate still with the record label to do a distribution deal for me. In my case with Nkaya Music Productions, we are not a distributing, we are not distributing, we are only publishing. So even if I publish my own songs or my own album, I need a distributor that will make sure that my music is sold in the USA, that is sold in Hong Kong and all over the world. But these days, the good thing is based internet and the music uh, stores are there. So you can also be your own distributor. Upload your music on DistroKid. Then you have a selection of all the online stores from iTunes, Spotify, Deezer, or you name it. And you can choose where, where you want your music distributed online. And then people can have it. Okay. Then this, this issue of owning your masters, um, as you had mentioned, I have I have heard it before, and a lot of people have discussed about it um, to say that when when you get into this business, try as much as possible to actually own your masters. But I don't think people actually grasp how difficult that is to happen because, um, at a layman's perspective, if I've just gotten in, it sounds as if if I just go to a studio and I record my music and there's a final there's a final file that can now be distributed that oh so I own my music I own my masters but that's not the reality is it it depends on the deal that you have with the studio right if if you come to me for example and you want to record your song 
I will charge you a fee for recording. And I don't own your master because this is why, I mean, this is why you need this education because there are some people who are cheating young musicians. Because if you pay for the studio services, you will have to collect your master and whatever you do with the music has nothing to do with the studio. And if a studio offers you a deal to come and record and you're not paying for it, then you have to negotiate a percentage with that particular studio to say, okay, we own this master together if that's what you agree. And you negotiate a percentage so that you all can eat if the song does well. And the problem is sometimes people in the beginning, they are afraid to negotiate because they want to record. They think if I start negotiating, they will refuse. You know, I'll end up not recording. So let me just agree. But it's important to know what you bring to the table when you enter into a studio and someone says, I'm recording you for free. There is no free lunch, especially in the music business. Because they will record you for free and keep the master and tell you, Kuti, you recorded here for free, so I can't give you the master, it belongs to me. And one of the things I always encourage artists is it doesn't have to be a, a big uh, corporate contract. When you enter into a studio, even if you agree to pay each other $5, write it down and sign. Because if you sign and the other person sign and get a friend or a third person as a witness, it will help you in future. Even if it's just a single song or even if you are doing single background vocals, sign, write down and sign. Because I believe in, uh, in having things written down. So when I have someone singing background vocals for me or for any of my productions, I make sure that they sign and agree that they are singing on this song and they're being paid a certain amount. That's it. Okay. So in terms of times when you have, um, like you're mentioning, a collaboration done, so you are at a studio and you know a lot of work goes into making a single project. You have the producer, you have you, the artist, your backup vocalist. In some instances, people who are also doing your instrumentals as well there. So in such a case, how do you get to come to the agreement of um, who parts with what and who owns the masters? Because there's now a lot of hands on the pie at that point in time. Thank you. That's a very good question. Uh, there is what uh, we call session musicians in, in, in a recording session, right? A session musician is a background vocalist or an instrumentalist that is called to come and play on that particular recording. So they come and play and they get paid. So they are gone. They are not part of the masters because they just came. It's like calling someone to come and paint your house. They can come and paint your house and leave. doesn't mean that they were all part of the house, right? They just came to paint and left. I mean, if we are building a house, you have a painter, you have someone who uh, installs tiles and roofing and stuff, and they're all paid and they will leave, but they don't own the house. 
So the bassist, guitar player, background vocalist, and the staff, they all come if they if they're not part of the band, that is. Because if they are part of your band, then it's a different story depending on on the dynamics of the band. But in my case, for example, if I hire someone to play guitars, we agree on a certain fee, I pay them, and that if the song flops, it's my flop. If the song becomes a hit, it's my win because I will have paid all those costs already. And then uh, the issue of fellow songwriters, right? Because sometimes you're in the studio and you're creating and you're writing and someone writes with you or helps you to write. This is where then royalties come in. This is where people like Zimura come in. People like Samro in South Africa. Where you agree on this, uh, what we call a split sheet. A split sheet is where the composers of the song agree the percentages of royalties. If I write the song alone and I register the song as my own composition, then I get 100% royalties because I composed the song and I wrote the lyrics for it. I mean, the music and the lyrics. But if I co-compose, meaning that I have someone who's helping me to come up with the lyrics or the music, then I have to talk to that person and say, we are splitting 50-50. Or I'm getting 70% and we are getting 30, depending on how we uh, agree. So then when we register the song at Samro, at Zemora, it will be registered as well according to our agreement. This means when the royalties come in, the airplay or TV, depending on what royalties we're having, they will be split automatically by 70% from, let's say we're getting $100 royalties. And I will get my share because I registered the song and I wrote 70% and the other person will get the other percent. So we have publishing, which we spoke about. Uh, the publisher usually is the one who owns the song or the music. And some studios tend to say they want to own the song or the music because you will be recording there without paying anything. And this is a deal between the studio and the musician. Or you record and pay whatever you are paying, but now you want your song to be out there and you go to a record label and they say, we are giving you a publishing deal. Meaning that they will own your masters now and they can do whatever they do and bring it to the radio and TV and stuff. And you get paid by the record label. There's, there's now something that you've brought up, um, the issue of royalties and it now has me um, thinking. So it's, I can own the masters to my songs, but people can, contributors to the song can also then get royalties off of it. Yes, true, very true. You can own the masters of your song and people who contributed as long as they are credited as co-songwriters or co-composers and as long as they are registered because if you are not registered with a collecting society 
And this is one thing <clears throat> that I always try to encourage artists in Zimbabwe. Because most young artists are not registered. If you're not registered, there is no way you can get royalties. And people think, ah, my song is not played on radio, or I don't have a song yet, why must I register? Every song is a potential hit. You just don't know it. So you can go into a studio today and record and you're not registered. And your song blows up and you don't get anything from it. This is why we have cases like uh, in South Africa where the song Lion, uh, the, the Lion Sleeps Tonight, for example. When Solomon Linda recorded that song years ago, he had no idea what realities were. And I think he was paid 25 rand or something like a studio fee. And this song went on to make millions and millions of Disney, Lion King, and all those kind of all those productions. It took years and a lot of work to manage to to win the case, so that Solomon Linda's family can get the royalties of that song. So if you register your yourself as a songwriter, and being an artist and being a singer doesn't mean that you're a songwriter. Some people are just there to perform and they are not writing songs. So you don't get paid royalties for being a performer, but you get paid royalties for, for being a composer. Mm -hmm. So let me get this right. If I have the masters to my tapes, that means that I have the right to do whatever I want with that body of work. Then the contributors' royalties are being recognized for contributing towards that body of work. That is if you if you agreed with the contributors, if they are part of uh, that production. But if they were paid, if they came in as session musicians, they have nothing to do with royalties because they were paid and their job was done. So you're only concerned with royalties if your name is on the split sheet. Yes, if you are part of the composer, uh, if you are part of the composer's team. This is why sometimes you see a song is written, composed by, then you have five names on it. Those five names all have their percentages when the royalties come out. And this is why, for example, right now, the latest is, uh, I don't know if you followed it, Beyonce has a new song, right? A new album right now. And the musician Kelly's was on, on, on yeah, yesterday and two days ago. She's been online saying her song was is being used or part of a song is used and she is not credited yeah that she was sampled in one of the songs she was sampled but was not credited so this is where now the registering comes in because as long as she is not credited it means that she's not she won't get any royalties from that particular song and some people were saying that song was written by pharrell and she just sang on it. So now it's a different story because someone like me understands if the song was written by Pharrell and if the song was registered as Pharrell's song and she was just a singer, then she's not getting any royalties because she's a singer and not the composer of the song. But Pharrell is the one who will get the royalties for it. She was a performing, she was a performer, she was a contributing artist. But... She was a performer and she is, yes, 
just like in the modeling business, if I wear Kelvin Klein and I go on the catwalk, I am there to model and show people these beautiful clothes. But when people start buying the clothes because they saw them on me, I'm just the model, but they are buying Kelvin Klein clothes and Kelvin Klein is the one that makes the profit. And I'm paid for working on the catwalk on that particular day. So what you're saying here is that the person who actually should be angry is Pharrell. The person who should be it kicking up Pharrell his face is Pharrell. Mm-hmm. It's either Pharrell should be angry or Kelly should be angry at Pharrell. If they wrote that song together and Pharrell uh, did not mention that Kelly is also a co-songwriter, then she should be angry at Pharrell. I mean, I haven't listened to the song and I don't know I mean, I'm just here. I'm just talking about something I was following on the internet, but I don't have 100% uh, proof that it is like that. But if I mean, someone like Beyonce, I don't think that she could use a song and not credit the song, right? And knowing that, you know, it's a lawsuit in waiting. So probably, probably she got the song from Pharrell. And if Pharrell is the one who composed that song for Kelly's, it means that Kelly's was the singer, not the composer. And if we bring it back home, uh, like in South Africa, we have a case of uh, Chico Twala and Brenda Fancy, right? Or Chico Twala and Shimon. Chico Twala was writing songs for Brenda Fancy, songs like Bullying Hela and many other songs. So Brenda was <clears throat> Brenda was the performer and Chico was the songwriter and producer. And Chico has all the masters to most of those songs. And when Netflix wanted to do a documentary about Brenda Fassi, there's no way they can do a documentary and use the music in their documentary without involving Chico. I think Brenda's son wanted to do a documentary. But they have to go to Chico first, even though you are Brenda's son, because Chico has the masters and he composed most of the music. Okay. So on this issue of um, contributing, so let's say you and I have have worked on a track. I featured on your on your, on your music and I placed a verse there. When you're now going to perform, right? And I am not available to perform that song with you. Um, are there violations that happen there if you were to then perform my verse, um, the verse that I have performed on your song when you're performing your song? What's what's the process that happens around there? Because that's also a discussion that I see happening a lot with some of our artists online when someone goes and performs a song and then when you have someone who features on the song as well when they are not there then their part is performed and people's feelings get touched what's the situation there that's a very good question i mean you know people's feelings most of the time these are people who are watching from the terraces right and they have no idea if i feature you on my song and you sing a verse or a chorus, the song still belongs to me 
and we can have an agreement whereby you as the featured artist can ask to use the song as well. And I have a right to say no. But I have a right to sing and perform the song wherever I want to without you because it's my own composition. You don't have to be where I am all the time because you're not a band member. Imagine if I'm featured on one song and now I have to follow and perform everywhere where they're performing, then I don't have my own gigs, I don't have my own things to do because now I have to follow this one axis because I was featured on their song. So sometimes, you know, as an agreement, you can feature on the song, on their live performance as well and perform, but you don't have to because you're not part of their band. And also, there must be like a percentage agreed. If I do a, a collaborate and I say, I'm going to say, I'm, do you want me to write something? Do you want me to write my own lines or you are giving me lines to sing? So if I'm writing my own lines, it means that I'm co-composer of this song because I'm now composing my lyrics to the song, right? And then I must get a percentage of the royalties as well, not only a, a fixed payment. But if you want me to come and sing on your song and you have everything ready, including your lyrics, the music and everything, they just come and see what was prepared for me. Then I get paid and I leave. Because I'm not composing anything, I'm not writing any lyrics, I'm just there to perform what was prepared for me by you as the composer or you and your co-composers. That's interesting. So at the point of us finishing this project, we need to have a proper agreement, um, probably either between those payments or those split sheets for us to know who owns what, to what extent, and when it comes to performances, what's going to happen with the body of work when it comes to performances. What happens most of the times is I agree with you, and what happens most of the times is uh, people feature others because they think or they want them to to take their their, their, their music to another level, right? If I let's say I feature an I'm a piano artist, I'm not an I'm a piano artist, but maybe I want to tap into that audience and I feature Mapurisa uh, or yeah, one mama piano artist. Then we can do an agreement, a, a marketing agreement, because they have a bigger audience than I have. So maybe in that uh, agreement, I can ask them to be to help me also market the song maybe for two months of release, after two months of release or after a week of release, post on their social. But this is an agreement now between me and the artist. And I remember there was one artist in Zimbabwe who had in a, a feature with the with Afrobeats uh, artist. And people were checking the Afrobeats artist's uh, Instagram page, and he was not posting anything. He wasn't writing anything. And people were going crazy on, on, online on behalf of the Zimbabwean artist. Like, why are they not posting you? Why is this person not talking about your collaboration or anything? So maybe there was no agreement between the two artists, which is on the day of the release, may you please post 
about the song and share on your social media platforms because you're a bigger audience than I have. So if you pay them, let's say 5,000 or 10,000 for the collab, that's it, they're gone. But if you agree also to say, may you be a part of our marketing and post on your, on your social media pages to push the product, then they will post because we have an agreement okay all right that makes that makes sense um then on the issue of we'll go slightly back to um the whole sampling situation that happened so if myself as an artist as you know your modern day hip-hop trap um artist and i have sampled a vusankaya track I have taken it, I have chopped it up, I have increased the tempo and all of that, and it's now um, it's now running. How does that then get handled in terms of um, these publishing and royalty situations? <laughs> There's a song called Cappadocia. It's on uh, Spotify and all over. Cappadocia is, is uh, electronic based music. And this song was uh, recorded by Gwen Boma and uh, uh, I forget his first name, his second name is Kashia. It's from France and Germany. They sampled a composition for me. I mean, like what you're asking already, like, you know because I don't do electronic dance music, but they sampled a song that was composed by me and they came up with an electronic dance song. So they got in contact with me and said, we have sampled your song and came up with this exciting electronic dance music song. And we want, uh, we are asking the rights to use it. So I could have said, no, I don't want to because it's my song. Or, yes, I want to, and these are my terms and conditions. So I didn't know who these guys were. I went on, on Spotify to check them out, and I saw that they have more than, you know, one million uh, listeners on Spotify. They are big on the, on the electronic dance music scene. So we sat down and came up with an, an agreement, because it's a composition of mine. So now the split sheet reads music composer Busankara 50% and they share uh, the other 50%. And the other option was they pay me a lump sum, let's say I yes, say $10,000, whatever, and they do whatever they do with that song. But I couldn't agree to that version because if the song gets big and maybe like as we are talking right now the song is on 14 million uh, streams on on spotify and it's still going so it all depends on 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 the composer on the original composer and their agreements and if you take my song and sample it I can I can give you the quiet or I can refuse. And if I refuse, 
because I think maybe you are using it or the language that you are using doesn't go according to my beliefs or culture, whatever. You have no right then to publish, to, to, to release the music. What are some of the common mistakes you've seen people do when they are publishing for themselves that people should look out for and avoid? The sampling part, especially in Zimbabwe, especially, I mean, the young kids are sampling. I've heard songs where I think this was nicked from that song, was sampled from that song, and there's no acknowledgement because maybe someone thinks I'm in Zim, no one will know about it. So I think it's very important for people to do their research. And if you are sampling a song from whoever, make sure that they are acknowledged and they know about it because sampling is different from doing a cover. If you do a cover song, you are performing the song as it is. But if you are sampling, then you need permission from the original composer or from their record label. And this is one big mistake that I've seen happening to a lot of young artists. They sample a lot and they don't acknowledge or they think maybe no one will know about it because I'm in Ngulumani. But these days there's the internet. You hear these songs, you see them. And there's one big artist right now in Zim who sampled the song. I mean, I listened to the song and the first thing that stuck was, oh, this is the same. And it, it was for me clear. So when I checked, I just did my own research and I checked. And this artist did not acknowledge the sample. So they took a sample, a chorus from another song, which was sung in Spanish, and they did a shorter version of the chorus. You see? So when I checked, because you can check these things online now, it's easy. You can go online, <clears throat> type the artist's name and type the song and see who was acknowledged and who wasn't acknowledged. So in, in, in a space of 10 minutes, I can tell you this song was composed by so and so and this song was published by this company. Okay. And you brought up covers. Um, so are royalties and charged when say i perform a cover of one of your songs at a live stage live setting um what what happens with covers and how is it that some artists can get to perform them live and it seems as if there isn't particularly you know that financial credit that that goes to people what what happens with covers in a normal functioning economy it's good to have anyone perform your song on stage because it means more income to you as a composer. If someone performs Mayanyata in Germany or wherever, uh, before every performance, you fill in your set list. There's a paper that you get from the, pro, uh, from the promoter or the theater that gives you a paper where you have to fill in all your songs that you're going to perform for a particular event or at a festival. So you write the name of the song, the name of the composer, name of song, name of composer. You have to do it. There's no other way. 
So if you are performing a cover version, you will write the name of the song and you write me as the composer. So I get paid for your for you performing my song at a festival. I will get uh, paid a certain amount. And this is why some festivals or some venues don't want to have artists or book artists that perform covers because it's expensive for them. Because the, the venue will have to pay the collecting society and the collecting society pays me because my song was performed at their venue and people paid money to come and watch. You see. So performing someone's cover is actually a good thing when it's done right because the artist will get money from it, will get paid for it. This is why I see in a, in a, in a functioning economy because in the Zim, there are so many bands performing with clubs and they are performing on the covers and they're not paying anyone anything. Okay. So I now want us to, um, I want you to walk me through a scenario. So this is, um, this is something that I want us to do, like a small exercise so that um, the artists out there can actually have a bit of a better insight. So we have agreed to um, create a body of work and I have identified the people I want to collaborate with. I have identified the people who are going to do my instrumentals, whether it's live instruments or it has been um, composed on an electronic software. I have identified a studio and we are now prepared to actually go and lay down the body of work. Walk me through how how my work then gets published from that point. So I have I have I've just identified all the resources that I need. I haven't recorded yet. Walk me through how I can make sure that I have done the publishing of that body of work properly and probably at the end of it I get to own the masters of that work. Okay. There are two scenarios. There are two scenarios here. Uh, the hip hop and I'm a piano or the modern music scenario where someone is producing music through, like you, you say, uh, some Fruity Loops or FL or whatever uh, software they are using, right? And you come as an artist to sing, you write the lyrics to a composition that exists already and you sing on it. I think this is the one that uh, a lot of young people are doing right now, the vision, where they come and the Oskid has already laid down the beat for you and you come and see, right? And in that scenario, you have to agree with the person who did the beat on a percentage and maybe you are both publishers because he also composed. Because composing is to come up with the melody and the instruments and stuff. And then scenario number two, it's for a live setup where I'm sitting at home with my guitar 
and I'm writing, coming up with the melodies, creating and writing down the lyrics, like the traditional way of, of, of writing songs or with my piano. And I have my song already. I go into, into a studio. I pay uh, for studio time and for the sound engineer, and I bring in instrumentalists to come and record or a produ external producer in this case, an external producer, not someone who does uh, beats, but someone who is the glue to the project. Because the traditional producer is the one who sits and listens and says, we need a piano solo there. We need a guitar solo there. We need uh, uh, four voices on the chorus, or we don't need a chorus. So the traditional producer is the one who listens to the song and tells you, or the driver of the project, if you will, and tells you how the song will come out. Like Quincy Jones when he was working on, on Michael Jackson's songs. And he says, you know, Michael Jackson knew what he was doing. He wrote all the music. He did all what he wanted to do. Quincy Jones was just there to come and be the glue and say, no, this bass drum is too loud, take it down. Or we need this kind of drama, we need this, and we need this person to make sure that the song comes out the way it comes out. So this one I'm saying there are two scenarios. Let's break it down. You write your song, and you have your own band, and you are rehearsing already, you are performing the song, or you can perform the song live. Then you go to the studio to record. You pay for studio time, you pay for the sound engineer, and you are the one who wrote the song. So you have the publishing rights because it's your, it's your song. And when you then want the song to be out there because you don't have a record label, you come to me or to any other record label and say, I have a song and I want you to publish it. So the publisher, you give me the masters to your song and I will make sure that we print out <clears throat> a number of CDs and distribute them and send them all. We put it online and make sure that people are able to listen to it. This is the traditional way of doing it. And the modern way now is you go to a studio, either the, the, the producer has the beats already, or you sing for him what you imagine, and they play according to what you sing for them. It's still your composition, but because they are also helping you to come up with those that composition because they're singing for them, then maybe you can agree to say, yeah, we go in 50-50, or you have 70%, I have 30%, whatever, depending on how you agree. And I think this is the complicated one, especially these days, because where you will find people fighting and no one knows who owns what, because maybe the producer is the one who's playing the keyboards and coming up with the, you know, the hi-hat and the snare and, 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 and the chorus and stuff. And they tell you, I also composed this song because you came to me and we did it together. Like the issue of Jerusalem right now, where Master KG did Jerusalem and Nongtrevo says, I wrote the lyrics to the song, but those lyrics are there since 
we were not yet born because it's a gospel song. You see. And then now there are, there are two other guys who just popped up and said they were in the studio as well and they helped Master KG to come up with those beats and create the beats. So now they are showing like the Pretoria High Court. This is the latest now on that song. So sometimes because in the studio you have four or five guys hanging, hanging around, right? And someone says, yeah, put that beat or do that and do that. So you have to be clear. Like in my, in my case, I don't allow people to hang out in the studio when they have nothing, when they have nothing to do with that particular recording. Because they will bring in their ideas and make their good ideas, you end up using them. And you're not acknowledging them and they come up out later and say, I was part of that song and I wasn't acknowledged. You see. So it's always important from the beginning to speak and know what you want. If you are going to a producer that is doing uh, electronic production and stuff, talk to the person and say, this is my song. Can you please play these instruments for me or create it this way? I'm giving you uh, shares to the song or whatever you are playing on. Or I am paying you a certain amount and I don't want you involved in, 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 in the composition. No, that is, no, that makes a lot of sense. And that is very helpful. Um, before I get to close us off, um, my last question to you is, is there something I should have asked you that I did not? Yeah, yeah, there is. You know, if you buy a music online, right? Let's say, let's take, uh, for instance, iTunes. You buy it for $9.99 or, yeah. Or ten dollars, right? People, the mistake that people do is always, or in the shops, if you buy it in, a, in a, at the airport for let's say ten US dollars, the mistake that people do is they calculate from the, they calculate the sales from that ten dollars, but the sales are calculated from the. From the wholesale price. My my let's say now, right? Uh, a record label is distributing my CDs to, to the airports around the world. They will be selling my CD for four dollars. And you buy it for ten dollars. My percentage is not coming from the ten dollars, it's coming from the four dollars. This is why you hear someone says, <clears throat> so and so sold 1 million copies on the first week of release. It doesn't mean that 1 million people have that uh, album already, but it means 1 million copies went out of the warehouse to different stores and outlets within a week. Because those outlets are buying the music based on the artist, because they know if this artist is hot, let me buy a thousand copies, I know I will sell them. So already they are counted as sold. As, as soon as they leave the warehouse, they are sold. So the percentage that we count now is from the $4 and not from the amount that you see in the shops. 
that makes you see so now if you hear artist so and so sold two million copies uh two days after release it means shops and everyone else was waiting for the for the album and they shipped to different shops in all over the world so that people can buy them and the percentage that we are talking about here is the retail price now is it wholesale price right? the wholesale price yes so people must always know that when you are doing a percentage you are not doing a percentage of the price that you see at Jobbik Airport and you are buying for 200 rands and you think ah Lucas money sold 100 copies for 200 rands yes because the airport bought them maybe for 80 rands and I'm catching 30% from that 80 rand you see so this is one thing that people should should know that the price you see at the shop but then in if you are self-publishing for example when you see my songs on iTunes and you are buying them for 99 cents or $1.29 that $1.29 comes direct to me because I am self-publishing if someone else was publishing them for me it will go to that person and I get my percentage of that 99 cents so 99 cents on iTunes won't come to me because I'm not publishing someone else is publishing me and then I get maybe maybe 30 cents from that 99 cents same applies to all other online stores so even even the, the, the sample song when I say I'm getting 50% and the other guys are getting 25% each we are talking 50% of 99 cents of the of the wholesale price yeah of the wholesale price mm -hmm. and then they share the domain mm -hmm. yes yeah truly I actually had I had skipped that part and thank you so much thank you so much for your time you. and being here with us you have dropped a lot of knowledge that um, one I find very useful and I hope the listeners will be Thank able you. to utilize as well um, just let us know where people can find you um, online and where we can also be able to access your music uh, people can find me on Twitter at Vusankaya on Instagram at Vusankaya official on Facebook Vosam Kai and my music is on all online stores under my name Vosam Kai I have four albums under my name and other recordings with different other artists they're all on Spotify iTunes these are in all other online stores excellent thank you so much for sir um, I appreciate your time thank you thank you for your time this was Kura Cass, funded through the Scripts and Bars project by K-Media Africa, supported by the British Council in partnership with the Swiss Agency for Development and Cooperation, SDC.